The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. There is more to Stephen Kornhaus than just his recent finish at the No Business 100, his popular YouTube channel, Ultra Trail Stephen, and that's what we're going to find out on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Little did you know, Stephen, when you replied to my Instagram message all those weeks ago that this was going to be the Stephen Kornhaus story played out on The Adventure Jogger. Welcome, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So before we get to the no business, which looks absolutely brutal and beautiful, one of these races that I think give it some more time and it's going to be one of the premier 100s in the eastern oh, yeah, United sure. States. So we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's kind of talk about you, man. Where'd you grow up? Oh, man. Uh, basically, mainly in western North Carolina. I okay. spent uh, like 17 years there before I moved over to the great state of Tennessee. So you, you grow up there. So you've kind of been in the mountains your whole life. Yeah, has pretty much in the Smokies. Has running been a, a, a part of your life the whole time? No. Or something you found later? How did you, how'd you discover the world of running? The first running I really did was probably middle school. I did track for all of about a month until I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I had my first track meet, and I remember running a 400 meter, and I came around the last turn, and something happened where I went down, and I don't know if an ankle went out or what it was, but I was like, I'm done with this. I quit. <laughs> I, I was probably... I don't know, eight, nine years old. And just, yeah, no, I was done with that. <laughs> you know, there's, there's uh, you know, middle school, Steven rounding that last corner, tripping and falling would never have thought in a million years that you would one day be running ultra marathons. That was probably the last thing no. from your mind. So bad first experience, like so many of us have with running. Um, how did you discover it again? I think I got back into running. It was probably like 2005, 2006. Okay. I uh, just kind of wanted to do something. And my sister was running some 5Ks, 10Ks and training for a half marathon. And she kind of got me into it. So I started running just, you know, the typical 5K, 10K thing and did those, you know, every once in a while. And uh, then when I got into the army many, many years later, this yeah. was now 2000, 2008, I guess it wasn't that many years, but 2008, you know, they force you to run every morning for PT. And, you know, so I had to do it. And then when I got out of the army, uh, off active duty, uh, in 2012, I was like, I'm not running anymore. I'm done. You know, I don't want anybody <laughs> telling me what to do. I'm, I'm done. Uh, so I stopped running for a number of years. And I didn't really pick running back up seriously until 2017. I don't think so many people realize that in the service, because Jeff Stafford said the same thing where when you're in the service and you got to do PT and you're running every day, it's not fun running, right? No. Your, 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 your sergeant's not being like, Hey guys, let's go take a nice a stroll through the woods. Let's just kind of have some fun, see some sights. You know, it's, it's kind of like, okay, this is going to suck and uh, it's gonna be miserable, but we're going to get through it. And it kind of, when so many people, when they get out of the service is like, I'm out, I'm out. Yeah. Not playing that game anymore. Okay. So you get out of the service. What kind of beckons you back to the world of running? 
I think I, that's a good question. I think about it. I don't really remember, but I, I do remember in 2017, my brother-in-law invited me to go do a uh, road relay out in Oregon, okay. the uh, Cascade Lakes relay. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. You know, so I said, sure, why not? I think I had been running a little bit, but not really training. So I decided yeah. to actually do some training and running a little bit. Uh, so that kind of got me back into it. But then I guess what got me got me into the ultra world would be uh, really just Billy Yang films. I started watching some of those. Somebody said, hey, check out this Billy Yang film. And that got me hooked on on uh, ultras in Western states and all that nonsense. He, saw, he has a way of with his, um, you know, you have the B-roll of someone tying their shoe. And then he always has like the video of them warming up. Within the background, they're talking about the demons that they're facing. And so you watch these things and you're like, my God, I, I, I need to go do what these people are doing yeah. right now. He achieves it uh, very well. So you watch those those Billy Yang videos like so many of us have. When was your first ultra that you signed up for? The first one was the Ozone Endurance Challenge in 2018. Okay. It's a 24-hour timed event around a lake, like a two-mile loop. Boy, you start for a miserable option. You know, yeah. you know, Stephen, a lot of people are like, oh, well, there was a 50K, uh, the local mountain, you know, that I wanted to give it a try. You're like, I'm going to do a 24-hour event on a two-mile yeah. loop. How did that go, that first taste into the ultra world? Oh, it went great, actually. Uh, leading up to it, I had really only had a, a plan of doing 50 miles was my goal. Just, you know, something pretty achievable, yeah. I thought, you know, especially with my training. As up until that race, I hadn't done a, the furthest distance I'd ever run was I did one uh, marathon in training, just a, a trail tra- training run, not even a race. Right. The furthest race I had done was a half marathon. So I went into this thinking I'll go do 50 miles. Um, <laughs> but then a buddy of mine who like, I mean, obviously, you know, Ray Krolowitz. Yep. Um, I knew Ray from back when I was racing cars because his son was racing cars and he would come to the track and be like, oh, there's Ray. And yeah. Uh, we knew he was this crazy ultra running legend and that's all I knew of Ray. Uh, but he sent me a message on Facebook leading up to the race and he was like, Hey, you know, you could just go for a hundred miles. It's only a 14 minute pace. And I was like, Oh, well, okay. That'll kind of be my secret goal, I guess. Right. Uh, so I, I went out and, uh, I was able to actually do that. I started out strong and the race went well. You know, my brother-in-law was there and was able to pace me. My wife crewed me and, uh, I kind of, I hate to say it cause you're going to, Give me that spiel you always do. If you're one of those guys that went out and did your first ultra and, and, and won. You know, uh, I'm going to have to retire that. Now yeah. you brought it up, I'm going to have to retire it. So I'm going to have to come up with something <laughs> new to say. So go ahead, Stephen. Just give your spiel and I'll have something new to say. All right. So I uh, I got lucky and I did 100, 100 miles in uh, under 24 hours. I actually stopped when I hit 100 because I was like, I'm no more. I'm done. <laughs> it was like just over 23 hours and I was able to win. I won the event overall, luckily. So uh, got got very lucky there. All right, first so ultra. now everyone's waiting for me to start harassing Steven for <laughs> having, a, <laughs> having an excellent first ultra, but I'm going to flip the script on you and go, that's awesome, Steven. I'm really happy for you. <laughs> that's fantastic. And I love that you came into this first ultra saying to yourself, I'll do 50 miles and I'll, I'll the, the longest I'll go is, is a marathon, which I, I think honestly, you can do a whole lot. In marath- if you're in marathon shape, oh, you yeah. can crank out 26.2 miles. There's a whole lot more that you can do oh, beyond sure. that. But the farthest you'd raced at that point is a half marathon. And you've trained it, you know, you trained a full marathon. But it's so many people kind of when they get in, they go, okay, 50K. That's that's five miles more. And it's kind of this 
slow progression yeah. and to just jump right in at 100. I know of a handful of people who have done that, and you're the first person that I know who's done that, that it was not a complete and utter clusterfuck. Well, the well the the race went well, but the recovery was horrible. <laughs> I mean, I was trained for fifty miles, like so. After the race, I'm not even kidding when I tell you this. I could not stand up on my own without falling over, without my <laughs> wife balancing for like three days. She had to like hold me straight. So it was uh, a lot of sitting in a recliner, crazy puffed up, swollen ankles and feet, and just uh, I, I couldn't run. Literally, could not run for three weeks. It was brutal. <laughs> Did you? So I don't recommend that. <laughs> Did you have a hard time convincing your wife? Like, I want to do this again, and she's like, Stephen, I can't baby you. For three weeks every time you do one of these things. Yeah, pretty much. I think she was a little uh, concerned about me wanting to do more. Yeah. Right. She went on the computer and set the parent settings to block ultra sign up. <laughs> like, do not allow Stephen to go on ultra sign up when I'm not home. But you finally get recovered. And yeah. what's what's ultra number two for you? Uh, let's see. The second one would have been Cloudland Canyon 50K okay. in February the next year, 2019. Is that not one of those things, the park, where it's ridiculously beautiful and you're... Oh, yeah. You kind of drive up on it and you're like, oh, okay, this is a park in northern Georgia. So you know what it's going to be. And then you get into Cloudland Canyon and you're like, oh, good God, where the hell did this come from? Yeah. Because it oh, looks it like gorgeous. you're... gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, it's like you're in a whole other world... It's like a mini Grand Canyon, basically. You it, know? It's, it really is, and it, and it is a great, a great course. I know it changes every year, but the, I believe I, I believe I was there that year that you ran it, and that was a oh. a good course um, that year. So, so 2019, you run that Cloudland Canyon. That went pretty well for you. Yeah, I think I finished in like five hours and twenty something minutes. It was pretty good. Yeah. yeah, really good for you. Gosh darn it, you're not learning any lessons the hard way, Stephen. <laughs> this is great. I, anyone that's oh, they got, come later. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was saying, if anyone's got a, a, a you know a piece of paper and a pencil and going like, I'm going to write down some of these these <laughs> these lessons learned the hard way. <laughs> we'll get to those in just a little bit. But it seems like you kind of really latched onto it and and really kind of found something you loved. Oh yeah, I, I found trail running. I had previously just been a road runner up until getting ready for the ozone, and then found trails, and that's where I kind of just belong. You know, I just love being out in the woods and peaceful, and the scenery, and just I uh, just love being out there. What was the shift for you? Because you do you did some road running. When was it cemented that you're like, okay, I'm a I'm a trail runner. Well, I knew when I wanted to do an ultra, I didn't want to do it on road because I, I did not like, I remember, I really remember the first time I ever ran nine miles on the road. And it's just it's like clear as day. I remember sitting in my car after the run, drenched in sweat, caked in like sweat all over me and like thinking I was dead. And I was like, why on earth would anybody run a marathon on the road? They're just stupid. <laughs> so I was like, at that point, I was pretty much done with the road. I knew I was going to switch to trails. <laughs> <laughs> when did the YouTube channel come into play that was just this year that was just in uh may i think was when i had my first video this year okay wh what made you decide to to want to get into the world of ultra running media well i uh i love trail running i love being outdoors and seeing everything and i wanted to be able to share that with people so they can see the awesome sites that are out there to be seen different state parks and also just you know i have a lot of gear and gear reviews and i figure i could maybe hopefully bring some value to some people and uh, newer trail runners or uh, just runners of any kind. And yeah, pretty much uh, go to ultra trail, Steven, and they could see some gear reviews and learn something maybe. Yeah, exactly. What's a favorite piece of gear that you've reviewed? 
mm. on your YouTube channel. Probably like, the massage gun. That thing is awesome. Oh, yes. That's life-changing. And that, that's a relatively Absolutely. new development, the massage gun. And the first yeah. time you look at them online, you're like, $200 for a vibrating gun? Yeah. There's no way in hell I'm paying that. And then your rich friend buys one. And, <laughs> and your rich friend, in my case, the retired Army chief warrant officer who has a really nice government contractor job bought one. He's like, try this out. And I'm like, oh, God, that's worth every, yeah. every freaking penny. I've got the uh, Air Relax recovery legs, too, and I'll take the massage gun any day over those things. Oh, I yeah. like it so much better. The, the, the little inflatable leg things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those are nice, but the massage gun is, is quite a bit better. It's cheaper and it's better, absolutely. Oh, yeah, and, and, and when, you, when, you, when someone walks in on you and you've got those inflatable legs on, <laughs> they're wondering, like, are you, are you near death? What's, yeah. what's, why are you wearing those things? Oh, no, 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 it's just, it's just a recovery tool. Yeah, you just shout out, I told you not to bother me when I'm vacuuming. Because <laughs> <laughs> it makes that noise. That yeah. Exactly. Now, the massage gun, you have to be like, guys, I'm massaging my legs. I'm using the massage gun because yep. of the noises that, that that thing makes. So, all right. A relatively young ultra running career, Steven. Yeah. So, you haven't had a chance to, to blow up, burn out, and then find your way back. So you haven't had that, that, that's always the, the part, you know, remember the old um, VH1 behind the musics? Oh yeah. Where the band would, the, the first band member would try heroin and then there'd be like this <laughs> downward spiral, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'd quit the band and then they'd have a great comeback tour. You haven't found heroin yet and quit no. the band and then came back later or have no, you? Okay. I've had some injuries and things that have taken me out for a little while and, uh, you know, some ultras or some events that didn't go as planned that kind of, you know, you get a little depressed afterwards maybe, but no, I've not, I guess I haven't found the heroin yet. (laughs) If you ever want to see someone in a severe case of denial, talk to a runner that's injured because it takes us so long to admit what everybody knows where you can't even walk straight and you run like 10 steps and you're in tears because something yeah. is pulled and ripped, and you're like, no, 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 no. It just takes me a couple miles to get loosened up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what this is. But everybody around you knows that you're yeah. absolutely injured, and you should you should not be out there at all. Um, yeah, we are we are quite a denial group when we are That's injured. Right. <laughs> so so no business 100 this year. It's a, it's a, it's a race that kind of see you get to see two states. In this race, oh, yeah. it goes to yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee Kentucky. and Kentucky on this beautiful loop, which mm-hmm. I, I love. You know, out and backs are great, but looped courses or point to points are just so fantastic because there's just something different and the scenery is never the same. But I've heard yeah, it was that amazing. This, this course I've heard is beautiful, brutal, not an incredible amount of climbing, a reasonable amount of climbing, mm-hmm. but just a really gorgeous race. Kind of give us. A little taste of your adventure at the No Business 100. Yeah, it's uh, it's gorgeous. You said it right. I mean, it's a continuous loop where probably 96 to 98 percent single track. Uh, you know, there is some gravel road, maybe only a total of I don't know less than a mile mm-hmm. on pavement, uh, which is amazing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we started in the, I think, let's see, we went uh, counterclockwise, no clockwise. Yeah. Counterclockwise this year, we went right. counterclockwise. And so the first like 35 ish miles were just beautiful daylight. You know, we passed all these, 
uh, rock houses, caves, uh, arches, gorges, where you can just look out and see like Cloudland Canyon and mm. see the uh, just beautiful scenes. And it's just beautiful. And, you know, sun is setting. You got the sun setting over the uh, the gorge. You can just see the purple sky. And and it what's really neat, too, is like this area. And I'm sure you're familiar, but it's like one of the only areas in the country that's a designated dark sky area. So it's one of the best places in the country to view stars. Yeah. So once the sun went down, it got dark, you know, we're mainly under tree cover, but I remember somewhere probably close to 50 ish miles into the race. So I came to like a power line cut and looked up and I was like, Oh my gosh. And I just had to turn my headlamp off, told my buddy, like turn your headlamp off. And we just looked up and just stared at the stars for a minute. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. You don't get that running in the city did you stop your watch steven that's the question <laughs> <laughs> no i definitely had the auto pause turned off as well no yeah. i didn't deceive people no. <laughs> the, mar- the marathon investigations guys like i'll see exactly. about that corn yeah. i'm gonna check yeah. out those those stats of yours um really beautiful as you're, as you're saying and just the, yeah. the, the the sights and you know you got to wonder too am i hallucinating that sky or is that real because you get late into that race yeah you know you, you got to wonder did it go really well for you or did you have any any low spots or oh yeah it was uh it went great until it didn't <laughs> <laughs> it started out great you know i started uh and I was ahead of my schedule, ahead of my projections, you know, probably, you know, early in the race, I mean, the first 18 miles, I was probably 15 minutes up on my projections, which was, I was feeling good. Mm-hmm. And I was well on pace for doing, you know, sub 24, probably in that 23 hour time frame, maybe. Yeah. But then I was coming down from, uh, towards the Cherit Creek aid station. They've got these little, like, uh, the logs that they use to keep trails from eroding that, that form stairs essentially. Yeah. I'm going, I just passed a group of like five people that were, going a little bit slower than I would like to go. So I'm going pretty fast down this hill and I jumped down one of those land on my left leg and something was underneath of a leaf. Couldn't see because all the leaves were down because it's been windy. Yeah. And my leg just went to the side, my ankle. And <sighs> it was a very, very loud pop and crunch. Uh, the, the runner behind me was like, Holy crap, dude. I heard that pop. <laughs> and, uh, there were a lot of, uh, a lot of choice words were yelled out then. And, um, yeah, it was just that was mile eighteen of a hundred mile freaking race. So it was, uh, it was brutal. It swelled up really quickly. Uh, it got purple, nasty, and then from then it was basically instead of trying to just do sub twenty four, it was it turned into just survive and finish the stupid race and uh, get it done. Okay, because <laughs> there's a lot of people, Stephen, that when you roll your ankle that early into a race and it's swelling big time, are gonna oh, yeah. are gonna call it a day. You cut your losses yeah. and call it a day. Why? Why did you decide? Like, nah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stick this thing out. Well, I mean, I'm an ultra runner, so clearly we're not that smart. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I knew if I kept moving, I could it would loosen up eventually. Uh, so I kept moving, whether that was a walk or a jog. You know, I was able to finally get back to running to maybe like a 12 to 13 minute mile at times, which was okay. I was fine with that. Uh, so it loosened up a little bit. I ended up rolling it two more times in the race, the same ankle. So three times total. When I got to Blue Heron, which was like mile 62, um, I was coming across the uh, the trestle or, or tip or whatever they call that thing, the bridge. Yeah. And I was coming across that. And I remember saying, I got it on video for my YouTube channel, but I remember saying, uh, you know, once I get down to the, the crew, see my wife, I really need to talk with her and like assess this and see if I need to need to go on. And I got down there and uh, they had a race physician. He looked at it. Um, you know, kind of told him what happened and 
he says, you know, honestly, there's probably something that's come detached, uh, but you know, you're able to move your toes. You know, you're, you're not, you don't have any numbness or tingling in your toes. Uh, so he gave me some Tylenol and a little, uh, some sort of steroid pill. I don't know what it was. He gave it to me and said, go out for the six mile loop because it comes back to the same age station and see me then. And then, you know, we'll make, we'll decide then. Yeah. So I did my buddy, uh, he wasn't even planning to pace at all. Cause I was going to do it with no pacer, but with the ankle, I was like, man, do you mind coming out? And he's right. like, sure. So, yeah. So he came out, we did the six miles and I got back and I uh, saw the, the uh, medic again or the physician and told him and he's like, well, you know, it's like I said, it's probably something ripped or torn, uh, but you're moving. So, you know, your call. And I said, well, I'm going, I'm not, who is this doctor? Who is know, this right? doctor? Because I am convinced that most every doctor at some point in medical school, they do this thing where <laughs> that's my wife, by the way, you can't see that cause <laughs> it's not video. Um, but they do that. They must go to this class. And the class is, okay, doctor, sit down. It's a big room, you know, and this guy gets up and he goes, listen, you are going to have patients that are going to come in in pain. And you have to ask them. First thing you ask them is, do you exercise? And then if they say yes, say, do you run? And if they say yes, that's a don't run. It'll ruin your knees. Like, because every doctor tells you that, like, don't, you really shouldn't run. You should get an elliptical machine or a rowing machine. So this doctor must be the, like the rebel doctor, you know, the doctor. He was, I think he was a ranger of some sort because he he had on like a rangers type uniform. Uh, But yeah, he was, he was awesome. He came in, he came and saw me at the, uh, the end of the race too. And was like, dude, I'm so surprised you finished. And he looked at it and actually said that it looked better than he was expecting it to at that point. That's awesome. But yeah, he was, he was the, great. He was the one during that day when they said, just tell all your patients to never run. He's like, I'm not doing that. And he threw his <laughs> books down and walked out of the. Uh, like, I won't crush their dreams. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but no, it, it was hard. I mean, it was a, it was a suffer fest. I knew I was going to have pain and suffering in a hundred miler. Cause you know, that yeah. part of the part of the, what you sign up for, but right. uh, I didn't expect it at mile 18. So it was, it was a mental battle. And I just, honestly, a lot, a couple of things I thought of were, one thing was I got a lot of family and friends that are cheering me on. I don't want to, you know, disappoint them. Uh, I feel like I can keep moving. And also my YouTube channel, it's crazy. I know it's stupid. It's stupid. But my, my tagline is basically do hard things. I can't be this guy that says do hard things and then goes and gets hurt and drops out at first try. You know, it's oh, like, so hang on at some point, <laughs> there was some point, Steven, during the no business, when you are hobbling on that bad ankle when you're like, I'm just going to get to the next aid station, oh, it's five miles away, and I'm going to pull the plug. And at some <laughs> point in that five miles, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. I Oh, what's my tagline on the po- – oh, yep. no. If the YouTube yep. channel if – you, if, if your tagline would have been something like, I like to run once in a while. Yeah. You know, do you, mediocre things. <laughs> <laughs> I like to do semi challenging things, but if the going gets tough, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm out. Yeah, exactly. Had that been your YouTube tagline, done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny you say that because, you know, being in in ultra running media, which makes us sound like we're, Oh, we're so big. Oh, yeah. you know, my, my tertiary running podcast. And, <laughs> like I said, with Sally, uh, McRae, I'm the podcast that you, that you listen to when trail runner nation hasn't released anything new in a couple of weeks. You know, you're like, you're scrolling and you go, eh, 
yeah, I'll give this, I'll give this one a try. But isn't it funny that you've had that thought? Like, I can't, I got a YouTube channel where it says do hard stuff. You know, I can't have have my no business video update be well guys i rolled my ankle and dropped at 18 you know like that's yeah. that's not gonna <laughs> keep them coming back for more yeah. but i've had that too where i'm like god i i don't i got a, I got a podcast yeah i can't i can't really quit yeah. and i gotta i, I gotta run kind of hard because i got this this podcast thing so hey whatever it takes to get you to the finish yeah, line i exactly. say so that battle that you have going on in your head of wanting to quit, but realizing that you've got a YouTube channel, <laughs> you have to provide those, those viewers with entertainment. Yeah. Well, I never really had like a, a moment where it was like, I want to, I want to quit. Like that really never crossed my mind. It was more of a, just a, this sucks. Like, can I do it kind of thing? Yeah. And that's when I just realized, well, I'm still moving and I'm still at least able to walk when I can't run. So it's, yeah, I'm going to keep going. It's- you don't have to, you, you could, if you wanted to quit, you could say that here. This is not your YouTube channel. So. <laughs> well, I've got like my, what I always tell my crew, which my crew is generally, you know, my wife is my crew chief and yeah. my friends will come in, but I always tell them like, you know, when they need to intervene, if, if something is wrong and, and make me drop or tell me, you know, you don't let me go on is basically if, if there's a bone or something sticking out that cannot be popped back in and taped, I'm going to go on. Yeah. So that kind of fit this thing, you know, nothing was popping out. Nothing was, uh, medically, uh, a medical emergency. At least I don't think so. So, uh, you know, I, I chose to go on and sure. I'm going to, you know, now have to deal with some torn, uh, ligaments or tendons probably, uh, down there, but. So you're you know. going to be walking like a pimp. For oh yeah. Her. I'm definitely hobbling around. <laughs> you got a little, a cane. little strut, yeah. little strut as you go down the street, like, boy, Steven's got a bounce in his step. That's a bad ankle. <laughs> That's that is a bad ankle. Yeah. Um, your wife being your crew there, there's two ways that can go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, which way does your wife go when she crews you? Oh, it's great. She's the best crew I could ask for. It's just, she supports me and she knows exactly what I want when I want it. Um, she knows if I get snippy, it's just the race. It's not, you know, it doesn't take it personal. Right. Cause yeah, there's times she's when, not calling a divorce attorney halfway through no, a race and going like, Oh no. God, no, she knows when you get to my lady, you're tired. And it's like, you might just like, give me the damn thing. It's like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so she knows all that. And she's great. Yeah. But you, you guys were together before you started running these oh, yeah. things. Yeah. So she kind of, that's awesome that she got on board so quickly. There was never any issues with, she was like, what the hell? It was just, she's no, been cool I mean, from the start, huh? We met in the army. So she had to go through the running stuff and all that too. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, when I started running again and ran the, that Cascade Lakes relay in 2017, came back and she was hearing me and my buddies talk about this race and all the memories. And she got jealous and was like, well, I'm gonna, I want to start running again. So she got back into running and she's actually an ultra runner now. She's done two fifty Ks. And so I've crewed her once. So, uh, we, we kind of swapped back and forth a little bit. Where were you guys stationed where you met? Uh, we met at Fort Benning and, uh, officer school cause we were in the same platoon. Oh, okay. All right. And wh- where were you stationed for the, for the bulk of your career? Uh, well, I was at Fort Benning for a long time in training, probably okay. close to a year and a half. But then I was over in uh, South Korea, and she was over there with me for two years. Oh, okay. Pr- pretty darn cool. You get to oh, see yeah. the world. You get to see the world in the Army. I have heard that South Korea is a lot more hot and humid than people think. Oh, it is so humid. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it makes Tennessee look like a dry climate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's saying something yes, right it there. Is. So round out 
the no business 100 for us. You, you finally, you get past that doctor, you yeah. know, you were hoping he'd give you the excuse. There was a little part of you that was like, <laughs> a little part oh, of there going, was a little bit yeah. right going like, son, I've never seen an ankle like this. And if I were to let you go, they would revoke my medical license. <laughs> At some point you were hoping that was going to come out of his mouth, but it didn't. That definitely crossed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you make your way towards the finish. How did the rest of the, of the race go for you? Well, luckily, my brother-in-law, who was the one that jumped in and paced me, he decided to go on to the next crude aid station, which was another 18 miles. So he ended up doing 25 miles just on a whim, basically, yeah. with me, Yeah, uh, which was great because it was more darkness. I think we left Blue Heron at like 4, 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So we get to uh, what I don't remember the aid station. We got to this one aid station where it was on top of a ridge. And the sun was coming up, so we got to see the sun rising up, and it was just beautiful and gave us new energy and perked me up a little bit and started getting warmer because, God, it was cold. It was like – it was down in the 30s, like low 30s, yep. uh, probably even colder in the top of the mountain. Uh, so it was it was chilly, but – once I made it to Peter's Mountain, which was the final crew aid, uh, aid station, it was like mile, almost like 88 in the race. Yeah. So he dropped out there and I had to continue on the rest of the way. Got down Peter's Mountain. And what's crazy is like when you go down that descent, it's not too bad, but when you get to the bottom, it's like this, basically you're in a creek bed. So you're going along and it's like, they've literally got course markings hanging on like trees out in the middle of the Creek. Yeah. So, you know, to like get around this rock and you're, you're supposed to rock hop around, but I couldn't really rock hop too well with a busted ankle. So, you know, I was using my poles to try to stabilize myself and go as best I could, but it was, it was slow. That whole section down by the river, uh, by the great Meadows aid station was basically a power hike it was it was so rocky and rudy i didn't want a chance rolling an ankle again Uh, so once i finally got out of that section and got to the climb i could still climb fine because like you said the race is only like 13 14 000 feet of climbing so it's it's not that bad it's basically a bfc right um so it wasn't too bad i got out of the the valley for the last time of the gorge and got up to the last aid station i knew i had four miles and was able to actually run some decent, you know, 12 ish minute miles and get to the finish and got it done in, uh, 20, 27 hours and six minutes. Not, so not was, bad for a bum, for a bum ankle for the bulk yeah, of, I'm that, very happy with that. of that race. When you're going through that, that, that rock hopping section at any point, did you think like, you know, Carl Meltzer was probably doing this in like eight minute miles. Well, he was probably doing it in the dark cause he finished at like, I want to say it was like four in the morning. Something like that. It was yeah. 19 hours for him. So yeah. it, it would have been dark still when he went through there, which had been, that would have been crazy going through that at, at dark. Gives you some, some respect for the speed goat, doesn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, and, and, and it also shows you how tough this course is. You look at the speed goat. He did this in 19 hours and 44 minutes, Yeah, which is quick, but it's not a course record. And somebody like him and Luke Balsweiler and, you know, these other guys that were in the top four, they did it fast, but still it shows you, it's not like a, 14 hour hundred, you know, this is a, the terrain is tough. I do like that. Carl embarrasses young people <laughs> even, even to this day. Cause every race that he does every hundred miler, there's always a 20 something, 30 something, or even like a, uh, an early 40 year old Yeah, that maybe they did an iron man or something. And they're like, I don't know who this old man is, but I'm going to show this old man how it's done. And then Carl's, you know, kicks them in the nuts and steals their lunch money that happened at this race too there was a guy uh grant who led like the first 80 miles of the race and he's like a mid-20s guy super fast awesome yeah. runner 
and he took out and he was he was leading good and uh, uh something happened around mile 883 he said i think and carl just was carl and consistent <laughs> and ended up beating it ended up beating him by like almost an hour in the last like 14 miles of the race so uh yeah <laughs> you don't mess with the speed goat <laughs> but don't but don't you wish don't you wish you could you could you could witness what's going on in carl's mind yes when he sees this whippersnapper who's been leading him for 80 miles <laughs> and he's yeah. within his sights and all of a sudden boom pow all of a sudden he's leading the race wouldn't we all just want to be in carl's head just for yeah, that be fascinating that that 10 minute section <laughs> <laughs> so sounds like you're echoing what i'm hearing everybody say about this race it's amazing. Yeah, it's definitely, I agree with you totally. This is going to be a premier race on the East Coast eventually. I mean, the RDs are amazing. The course was flagged really well. They have uh, reflective tape on the flag. So at night when your headlamp hits it, it lights up like a bright beacon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, aid stations were great. Even with, you know, COVID concerns, you know, we had to use hand sanitizer, wear a mask. We went into the aid station, couldn't reach for things ourselves. Um, some aid stations, they did allow you to get things off the table, but then they would restock the table with like an individually packaged thing. Uh, but it was, it was great. I mean, every, all the volunteers were super friendly, uh, encouraging, uh, willing to help out if the, if you needed to, you know, they'd put gloves on and do something for you. So yeah, I absolutely recommend this race to anybody, uh, if they're looking for a hundred on the East or anywhere, it's great. It is great to see so many races happening again. And I, you know, yes. it had this, had this race been scheduled for May, it would never have happened, but you know, it, we made it to October. We, a lot of races kind of forged the trail on trail running and COVID and, and kind of put some precautions in place, but I really can't wait until, all the gloves and listen, I understand why we're doing it. I am not saying do not leave me a review on iTunes saying this asshole doesn't believe Corona is real. No, no, no. I appreciate every, and I understand why people are doing it and I thank you for doing it. But there is this part of me that is like, I want to go back to, you know, all the touching. There is yeah, more, absolutely. there is more touching usually that goes on at a trail race <laughs> than really anywhere else yeah. you know you, you think there's there's touching at a cd strip club there's nowhere near <laughs> as much as touching as there is at a, as a 100 mile race of just yeah. aid station people helping you out and getting your backpack filled absolutely and, and that sort of stuff so again thank you volunteers for resisting the urge to do that and following these protocols so we can have these races because yes, definitely there will be a point when we all get to go back and and that first race the first race where they're like hey guys guess what those covid uh, restrictions that we told you about throw those out the window because everything's back to normal it is going yep. to be a hug orama Oh, yeah, totally. Like you're going to be going to a race, Stephen, you're going to be hugging every single aid station volunteer. <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now that I can. High five at everybody. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Like, we can high five again? Oh, yeah. wow. This is this is great. Um, one thing I hope one thing I hope does stick around from Corona that I really liked was uh, the later race start. Like, normally this race starts at like 5 a.m. Yeah. I think 5 a.m., but it didn't start till 10 a.m. for the elites and then anywhere from 10.15 to 12 p.m. So we had a window where we could just walk up and go. And that was awesome. So, like, if races can start at 10 o'clock going forward, I am all for it. Okay. Well, that brings up an interesting question, Stephen, because I don't know about you, but I don't get a whole lot of sleep the night before a race. I'm, I'm okay with it starting at 2 or 3 or 4 or 5 in the morning. Are you one of those that can sleep like a baby before a race? 
I sleep pretty well. Um, yeah, I slept pretty well, uh, especially with this race. I mean, it's so close to my house. So I think to get to the start is like 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, so it's not like, I just don't like races where you have to get up at like 2 AM because then you got to go sit on the bus for an yeah. hour. And it's like, then you're only getting maybe three hours of sleep. If that, where this one, you know, I got a full night, probably seven hours of sleep. I was still up at 7 AM and got all my stuff ready and was able to get to the race on time. And, and get going so well maybe it's yeah. because you're at home and you're not could be you're not stuck in a seedy motel that probably plays a big part yeah because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it because it always seems to be the case you do oh, yeah. these races and these races are always in remote parts and you you look for you know the ambassador in or the hampton <laughs> the hampton inn and suites or the yeah. holiday inn resort or something along those lines but what you get is a hotel that was really nice in the 1970s. Like it was the <laughs> nicest hotel in the 70s. Oh man. And now you walk in and the and the art is screwed to the wall like through the frame. Like you yeah. can see the oh, drywall yeah. screw that they screwed through the frame into the stud. So you would not steal that picture. Yeah. And they still have the glass blocks in the bathroom, like so you can see through partially. You know? Yes, they got the glass blocks. And it was the- one of those where you like you don't turn on the light before you get in bed. It's like don't don't look at the sheets, just get under the covers. <laughs> and and the bedspread. The yes. bedspread has a pattern that, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, is that blood? Is right, that- right, right. It could be. It could very yeah. well be blood, or it could just be the pattern in the in the uh, in the bedspread. You really don't know. No, you know. And the caulk in the bathroom looks like someone was frosting a birthday cake. Like yeah. someone didn't learn the lick the finger and and, 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 and pat down the caulk because it looks like a birthday cake. That's probably why I don't sleep very well the night before races. Is because I live, I you know I, I book really awesome 1970s hotel. <laughs> That's probably, yeah, you might want to up the game a little bit or travel a little bit further. You know? <laughs> right. Or or just have a race uh, near your house. Exactly. And sleep, start, in your, sleep in your home. Exactly. Even. And get there at 10 o'clock and be like, hey, what time you guys want to start? Yeah. All right. Sounds good. The one thing that does throw you off on a later start is if you're used to, especially if you've you know run the, the first time you did the ozone, I'm sure you finished in the dark. You probably started right right at at, at sunrise no, and finished a, in the dark. It was 24 hour event. I think we started at 9 a.m. So I finished uh, a little before 9 a.m. Oh, the next okay, day. okay. But have you done a, have you done a race 100 where you start? It finished before the sun comes up? Not not 100, but I did GDR, and that was starting at 5 a.m., and I finished at like 1 a.m. Right, which is kind of, I mean, it's kind of nice, to, but you got that sun come up the next time. It yeah. is some, there is something beautiful Oh yeah, about being out on the trail during the sunrise. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of, re- it kind of almost kind of recharges your batteries in a bit. You're like, ooh, it's a brand new day. Oh, it really does. Yeah, that sun hits you, especially if it's been cold and you get that sun hitting you, warms you up a little bit. Oh, you feel like a new person. That's good yeah. stuff. That's way better than a shady 70s hotel yeah. bedspread. That's for sure. Yeah. So when you get, when you are no longer walking like a pimp and strutting that, <laughs> strutting down the hallways and having your wife have to gingerly help you to bed, honey, yeah. I, I got to use the bathroom. Help me get up. <laughs> what, what are you hoping to do in the future? Oh, well, rehab this, this ankle. Um, so once I get past that and back on the trails, I've got a couple of races already signed up for next year. So I've got a 50 K in January down in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Then I've got a, um, well, the Yamacraw 50 K, which got 
canceled again from November. It's going to be pushed back to April again next year. So I've got that, and then and that's the on the same. Laurel. That's in the same area as the no business, correct? Yeah, it runs on some of the same trails up there in Kentucky. And the in the actual bridge that you finish on with yep. the Amacraw is actually in the no business course. That's right. Correct. Yep. Yeah, that was that bridge I talked about when I ran across, and I was like, I didn't know what it was called, the, the trestle or tipple, whatever thing. they call the thing. That yeah, the bridge, bridge thing. That Yamacraw bridge thing. You've the seen mining the pictures. Thing. The mining thing. Yeah. From the, the, the bridge thing. So you're doing that one? Yep. And then I've got uh, Laurel Highland 70.5 miler in June, I think. Yep, right. June. That's my Western States qualifier. And then that's it. That's all I have booked. Uh, I've toyed around already with going back to no business because I want to do the other direction. Because if you do it in both directions, you get a special 200 miler buckle, which is really nice looking. Boy, we do stupid things for buckles, don't we? We sure do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's bigger than a regular buckle, too. It's like, it's good size. <laughs> Brian knew what he was doing on that. He, he designed it well. I don't know if you've had this or not, Stephen, but you know, you, you'll, you'll get, it'll come up in conversation. Like, oh, you're an ultra marathon runner. What does that mean? Well, you're not doing this. What's the farthest you've ran? You know, 100 miles? You're like, well, what do they give you for 100 miles? A belt buckle? <laughs> yeah. And they give you a look like, you did all that for a belt buckle? You moron. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't get it. No, no. They won't get it until they do it. They right. You try to explain it to somebody and you just can't. But man, Stephen, when you win that or when you, you know, finish no business next year and you get that double size 200 mile buckle... You're going to be tucking in your shirt when you wear that. <laughs> That's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The old, you're not usually a shirt tucker, but you're a, we're all. We're I will not, be that. Exactly. Yeah. We're not all usually shirt tuckers, but we're shirt tuckers after, you know, the week after we finish a cool hundred. Darn right. With yeah. a buckle. <laughs> <laughs> well, so check out Stevens. YouTube page, Ultra Trail Steven. He's also on Instagram. You can check out some really cool pictures. Steven, sound like you had an excellent time out there yeah, on the course. I, I, I wish you well and hope that you get that ankle all taken care of sooner than later. Thank you. Yeah. Not limping for too long. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully uh, at a minimum four to six weeks. We'll see. Yeah. Give you some time to catch up on some Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of shows to binge. Yeah, exactly. Some Billy Yang videos. Good stuff, Steven. Go. Thanks for joining me, man. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 